Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our guest today, as we said, is Rosemary Smith, and our topic is finding meaning after the deaths of two children. Rosemary Smith, wife, mother, pharmacist, author, speaker, and documentarian, lives in Beautyville, Kentucky. Is that how you say it, Rosemary? Beattyville. Beattyville, yes, Kentucky. Yes, Beattyville. Very good. She lives in Beattyville. After losing her two oldest sons, Drew and Jeremiah, on July 23, 1992, she dedicated her life to helping other families cope with the immense pain of losing a child. Through the author, authoring of her book, Children of the Dome, Rosemary shares the journey of her personal loss along with 27 other families and how they survived the loss of a child. She and her husband, Luther, have co-produced a documentary, Space Between Breaths, that explores what loss can teach us about a life fully lived. Welcome to the show, Rosemary. Thank you, Heidi and Gloria. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great and it's wonderful to have you on, Rosemary. And uh, I know you're doing so many wonderful things for people. Um, I just uh, you sent me that amazing uh, resource. It's almost like your own little resource library um, with uh, articles and all sorts of things in it. It's really wonderful. And we can talk a little bit um, later on in the show how you may be interested in uh, if our audience would like one of those. Do you, are you open to having our audience uh, email you for them? Definitely open to that. I would love for anyone who would like to have a bereavement packet to just contact me. Okay, would... We'll talk about those a little later on the show because they're really fabulous and, and it's well, well worth contacting Rosemary for. Well, Rosemary, tell us a little bit about your story and about the boys. Well, I, I guess I always say um, that we have the perfect life. I had, I was, I had the perfect life. Um, married to my husband Luther, we've been married now 37 years. Um, at the time the boys passed, uh, Drew was our was our oldest son. He was 18. Jeremiah, our middle son, was 15, and Jordan was 11. Um, we lived in a small town. We still live in that small town, Beattyville, Kentucky. We're both pharmacists. How large is that? We have a thousand people in our small town. Oh my gosh, that is a small town. <laughs> really tiny. We I live... grew up in a town of five thousand, and I know you said it was a small town. I was wondering, yeah, very small, small, very rural. You know, we live in uh, eastern Kentucky, and we had pharmacies uh, around in different areas of different counties, and really had the perfect life. You know, Drew and Jeremiah were uh, boarding students uh, at a school called the Macaulay School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Drew had just graduated and was getting ready to go to college, and Jeremiah had just had his freshman year. And we, we think, looking back, that that last year without Drew and Jeremiah, while they were away at school, was preparation for the three of us, you know, Jordan and Luther and I, you know, to, for what was to come, but we had no idea of that. Mm-hmm. I know, I think you and Heidi are the same way when Scott died, you know, right. we have no idea that what we will have to face in our lives. Right. But, um, you know, our boys went to a concert and they were killed instantly in a single car accident on the way home. Mm-hmm. Wow. And again, as as we all know, my life changed forever. The focus of my life changed. Uh, it it changed in ways that I could have never imagined. But looking back, um, I, I still say that I would not be the person I am today had I not lost my sons. Mm-hmm. But I would trade it. 
you know, in a second, as we all would. And, Rosemary, I've got to say, hearing your story, and we haven't heard it in depth, but hearing it right now, I just don't know how. Not only did you hear that one son had died, but you heard that two sons had died. Right. That is so unbelievable. The policeman walked into my drugstore that morning. Luther and I, we had, even though it's a small town, we had two drugstores in the same town, you know, so we were kind of in competition with each other. We always laughed about that. We really weren't, but uh, a a policeman walked, and my husband uh, was the uh, police chief. He was on the city council, so it wasn't unusual to see the policeman walk in my drugstore, and he just walked up to me and said two words. He said, Drew's dead. Wow. And I, I literally, I just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, just what you were saying, Heidi, for 20 minutes, we didn't know that Jeremiah also had died. Wow. Because, you know, he didn't, he didn't say that. He just said Drew because, you know, Jeremiah wasn't old enough to even have identification on him. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, we didn't know for 20 minutes that in, indeed we had lost both of our sons. So oh. they told, so they only knew about one initially, yes. which may have been a better way to tell you. It may have been. I still fell to my knees. I remember that. Uh-huh. I literally fell to my knees because I, d- I just didn't think it was possible you know, right. that, that Drew was dead. And I, I, looking back, I remember thinking, oh, I just, for 20 minutes then, I, w- I was concerned with maybe Jeremiah had survived. Mm-hmm. And it was like I just, you know, I felt guilty about that later. I thought, oh, my gosh, I just, for 20 minutes I tried to just close off that, that Drew was dead. You know, they, I already knew that, but... You know, I was trying to. I was trying to live on the hope that maybe Jeremiah had survived. Right. But, you know, that reminds me, and I I noticed that um, one of the first per- person that wrote in your book, I think, or the second in your book, Children of the Dome, which is twenty eight true stories of survival and hope after the loss of a child, um, that Elaine Stillwell uh, had written in your book, and we have had Elaine on the show. In fact, she was on uh, <clears throat> in. Uh, if people want to listen to the archive, 10-5-06. Uh, but the thing was that Elaine lost two children, too, in an automobile accident. I remember Dennis and Peggy. Yes. And, uh, After a concert, very similar accident. And Elaine said that she uh, she grieved each child differently. How was that? You know, how, how did you deal with that? Her uh, Peggy did live for a little while, so... Um, you know, she kind of was at the hospital with her. But, but having told that two children have died immediately, what happens? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? I mean, how do you grieve for them? Was it different? or Do you grieve for them at the same time, or do you compartmentalize and put one aside for a minute and just grieve for one? Exactly what you said, Heidi. You, you have to compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. You can't. I couldn't possibly grieve both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that was disturbing to me at the beginning because I would be concentrating on Drew, you know, Drew, Drew. Then all of a sudden I'd think, well, what, what am I doing? What about Jeremiah? I would do that in, in their, at the room at night. I would grieve at night and I would go into one room. You know, I would stay there for half an hour and then I would go to, I would say Drew's room one night and then I would go to Jeremiah's. But the next night I would have to reverse that because I couldn't put one in front of the other. It sounds crazy, I know, but that's it, there is a double grieving, and, mm-hmm. you know, you really have to have time for each one of them, or you feel guilty. Yeah, and, and crazy is what mm-hmm. it is kind of early on, isn't it? It's a very... It's a very strange process. So you, you really just went with your feelings and how, you know, what you wanted to do at the time? Yes, I did. I, you know, I, I kept their rooms. Uh, I still haven't changed their rooms, you know, uh, I still, 
there are still Drew's room and Jeremiah's room. There are people who stay in our home now, and, and they know that's their room. But, you know, their things are still on the wall. I kept a lot of their clothes. And as I talk to people across the country, they'll say to me, what do I do with their rooms? Do I don't want to change it. And, you know, is that okay? And I said, whatever is good for you is okay. If you do want to change it, that's fine. You know, I think we all need to grieve. And there's a certain way that we all just have to grieve ourselves and know everything's okay. You know, it's... You don't have to ask permission for someone else. It's what feels right for you, I believe. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's been, what, 16 years? It's been 15, yeah, almost 16. Almost 16 years, and yeah. you have not changed the rooms. You no. know something? I think that's so such a great message for people. I mean, you've moved on. You do things. Right. Uh, you found strength. Um, beyond the loss, and we certainly want to get into that. But, yeah, you haven't changed the room. That, you know, there's so much um, – I'm a counselor, a professional counselor in society. There's so much information out there saying it, after, that you can keep it the way it is for the first year, but after that, you know. Haven't you heard that, Heidi? Absolutely, and I'm also thinking, now, it sounds like you and your husband are also on the same page with you yes. keeping the rooms the, the, the way that they are. Yes, you're right. I, I'm I'm with my mom. I think it's if that, and, and with what you said, Rosemary, if that brings you comfort and healing, then that's the way it should be. The, the one problem, I think you hit the nail on the head, Heidi, is if there's conflict in the family. Yes. Right, exactly, because sometimes you see that once one person wants the rooms changed, and the other would like to keep them the way that they were that they are. I've seen that also. So you know, I've seen that work, especially with photographs. Mm-hmm. You know, we our home in Jordan. You know, being he was eleven when his brothers died, and then you know he has now he's twenty six. And when he comes home, you know, before we had pictures everywhere. You know, it was it was a shrine. Mm-hmm. But we finally gradually moved all of the large you know pictures and different things up into our personal bedroom where we felt we were just surrounded by all three of the boys. And right. then Jordan was allowed to then feel like it wasn't a shrine, you know, that he could still love his brothers and know they were there. But, you know, he felt more comfortable. So I, that's something we had to work between all three of us. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's Yeah, a that's family. a really important point. And I'm always saying to parents, if you have uh, many, many pictures of your child that died, make sure you have just as many pictures of your child that lived. Exactly. So I wanted to make sure we talk about some of the things that Rosemary's doing. Usually we leave that till the last segment, but you're doing so many things, I don't think we can do that. Do you, Heidi? No, uh, Rosemary's doing a, a wonderful amount of things, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk first about your package that you send out, Rosemary. How did you get doing that, and, and what's in it, and how can people get it? Gloria and Heidi, um, you've had Dinah Taylor as a guest on your show. Right. So I know you know Dinah. And we know Dinah, right. and we had her on the show in, in joining in memory of Jim, and it was January 25th of 2007. It's a great show, and Dinah is a dynamite person. She definitely so is. So listen to that show. I know you're connected with her. Now, now did she... How did it go? Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. We'll talk about your package in a minute. Because well, that's how I got started. Yeah, okay, yeah. Dinah. Tell us, uh, right. did Dinah come to you after she uh, the boys died? She sent about three weeks after the boys were killed. I got a um, manila envelope, and it had Dinah Taylor, and I didn't know who she was. And I opened it, and there was a note, and there was a grief workbook. And she said that her only child, young Jim, had been killed a year before. He was 18, like Drew, and that if I needed to talk to another mother who had lost a child that I could call her. Mm-hmm. And I, we laugh about that now because she should not have put her phone number. <laughs> Believe me, because before I laid the grief workbook down, I called her. And because I didn't know if I could make it. 
Mm-hmm. I can I'd be very honest. Yeah. At that point, three weeks after losing two of my three sons, mm-hmm. I didn't really think I could make it. Right. And here was a woman who was alive a year later. Mm-hmm. So I called her, and she invited my husband Luther and I down. We within three days we were in. We drove down to Williamsburg, Kentucky. And now how as far is that from you? It's just an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Um, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't know her. Uh, right. She had just heard about our loss, and you know, just you know, put put her hand down to, out to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I say she was my lifeline. Mm-hmm. And from that first connection. Dinah and I then started sharing other families. Um, a couple of weeks after that, I read about a family in Louisville, Kentucky, that lost their daughter, Kelly Carpenter. And I, I had to call them. You know, mm-hmm. there, was, there, was not, there was never a question. I was led to call this family. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, called for Dennis Carpenter uh, for information. And I called, and Dennis answered. And that was the first family that I, you know, just, just said, you know, you don't know who I am. But, you know, five weeks ago now, I lost my two sons, and uh-huh. if I can help you. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of Dinah and I contacting families. And then we would start sending out just, you know, uh, the grief packet started very, you know, there was very few things in it. But, you know, we just add to it, and I've added to it over the years. Mm-hmm. And you have a, a notebook filled with fabulous articles in your right. books and Elaine's book. And uh, it's a treasure trove. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I just hope, as I say, we add to it every time. We have a Lane's book. We have a, a DVD of one of uh, Lane's keynote speeches that mm-hmm. she had given again at one of our conferences. You know, we have a joining in memory, Jim's conference, uh, once a year in Kentucky in the first weekend in June. And so uh, we have our CD by Cindy Bullens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Cindy, too. Yeah. She did your the music for your... Um, Movie, is that right? She did. She did the, the original score for our documentary. Yeah. Tell us about your documentary, um, Breath, what is it again? Space Between, Between Breaths. I love that. Because that's where our children live. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, nice. That's where Scott lives. Right. You know, Drew and Jeremiah are the you know the space between each breath that I take is where they live for me. They're, and I think our children are so much closer. Each each year, each month, that as I got past or as I started on my grief walk, the boys at the beginning, I felt like they were so far away from me. There was such a darkness. Mm-hmm. But each you know, time, now they're so much a part of me that they are in that space between each breath that I take. And that's so important for our listeners to hear because I think people are afraid that as time goes on, they'll remember less and less and they'll forget. Oh, and it's just the opposite. Have you found that, Gloria and Heidi? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Good. that's just part of everything we do, isn't it, Heidi? Right. The, the grief doesn't get in the way of my remembering wonderful memories anymore. Oh. So I, I have more memories exactly. and brighter memories and better memories because I'm not, the grief isn't in the way. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's such a key. And well, it, I, think, it, I think one of the things you lose is the suffering. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. the suffering is what, you just don't suffer as much. No. Mm-hmm. No, you, you know? don't. And, and I know people are suffering so terribly out there. And as you said, you didn't know if you could make it. No. You know, I think we all felt that way. I didn't want to make it. Right. right. You know, I say that in, in our documentary. We, getting back to that, we have 12 families across the country that we have interviewed for this documentary and the loss of a child. And one of the clips that I used of our family was that I didn't want to make it. You know, I prayed every night that I wouldn't wake up. Yeah. And I'm not a person. I was never like that. I loved life. And, mm-hmm. and, but I just, I was in so much pain that I wanted to be with Drew and Jeremiah, even right. though I had a, a son and a husband. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that people need to hear that because we all feel that way and we think, you know, that, that this is wrong or we're, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're not doing the right thing, but it's just, it's just our bodies, you know, we just right. needed to be out of the pain. It's normal. And the pull to the grave is strong when you love someone. You, it's, it's not like you want to kill yourself. You want to be with no. them, like you said, and you right. want to be out of the pain and you want to see them again because you love them so much. Right. But, but you have to know that you can go on, and then, then they're cl- they become closer to you, and then there is a love of life that comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, there there there, and, and there is hope, and I think that's the key that everyone needs to hear. Absolutely. Well, and you didn't have it easy because then uh, a couple of years later, you got breast cancer. Mm. I sure did. I could I couldn't really figure that one out, but I couldn't figure out losing my sons either. But my mother died very young with breast cancer. Uh-huh. So I thought that would be, you know, I always knew that I would have breast cancer. I just, I just felt like I would, but I, I never thought I'd lose my children. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, again, Did you make any connect with that and the children? Do you think there was any connect? I believe that after they died that I gave up, you know, that, and I think grief does, I've seen a lot of different families that I've worked with that, I don't know if you all see this, but I think our immune system after, I think we just kind of like, you know, our immune system just kind of gives up. Right. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure, but I have seen, you know, I've seen my same case, you know, happen to a lot of people. We do overcome it, you know, and now I'm, you know, I'm cancer free. I've had cancer again since then. I had thyroid cancer, but. Mm None of that compares to the loss of Duran Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, grief takes a physical toll on the body. I believe it's it a, does. It's a physical assault, not just a psychological mm-hmm. and emotional assault. It's I a think physical. You're right. Yeah, I think you're right, Heidi. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And that's one reason we tell our audience, and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to eat right. Yes. Try to get sleep. Get just any kind of exercise. You know, our friend today talked about going bowling. You know, exactly. take a walk around the block. Do whatever you need to do, but take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I have a, a kind of a strange question, Rosemary, but I think I need to ask it for others who have had more than one child die or more than one family member. Were you ever jealous of people that had only had one child die? Yes. Okay. It's terrible to say, isn't it? No. I, I would say, why me? Why right. couldn't one of... You know, couldn't have Drew survived or couldn't Jeremiah have survived. But then I have to think of my friend and Elaine Stilwell's friend and Dinah Taylor's friend, Becky Greer, who is the last chapter in my book, and she lost all four of her children. Wow. So how, how then I, I feel lucky. Okay. I feel lucky because Dinah Taylor, you know, she only had one child. So I'm lucky. Because uh, I, yeah, I just wanted, to, yeah, I wanted to say, um, people will wonder how she lost her children. Her son um, got on drugs and went berserk and shot them. Right? Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. But again, that wasn't Buzzy. You know, that wasn't the son that they right. knew. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's our family out there, families that are dealing with mentally mental illness. Yes. And we had someone on the show from Brigham City, Utah. He's a counselor, and he lost all three of his children. Right, Mom? Mm-hmm. Two in a train accident, and one in a <laughs> and one car? had uh, an illness. Oh, an illness. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, has gone on with a, an amazingly positive attitude. Right. I I think that um, it's time for us to go to break, but when we come back from break and, and go on to our next segment, I would like to talk a little bit about about um, what happens and, and how people find hope and how you found hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've gone through all this um, 
physical illness yourself and your two boys dying, and yet you've gone on to really find mission and purpose, Rosemary. It's it's, it's an amazing story. Well, uh, I wanted to just on both this segment and the next segment to talk about Rosemary's packet again. It's free. She will mail it out to you. I mean, it's a virtual little treasure trove of wonderful things to help you with your loss, or if you have a friend or if you know somebody, Rosemary would love to send you a packet, right, Rosemary? I would, yes. And how would they go about getting that? The, the best way is just to email me to uh, childrenofdome at cs.com. Okay, and we'll put something about that on our website. And Perfect. also go to her website, uh, childrenofthedome.com also. It's a wonderful website, and it's beautiful. Tell us about the dome. It is so gorgeous. Well, the Dome is in Williamsburg, Kentucky. It's at the University of the Cumberlands, which is where Dinah Taylor, her husband Jim, who is also our our dear friend, my husband's closest friend now, is the president of this uh, college. And they were building a new um, lodge, you know, and asked uh, us if we would uh, consider, you know, commissioning a dome. And we we did this. Um, It's a dome in memory of all of the children who have been lost across the country. It, it features uh, cherubs and different symbols. Uh, Dinah Taylor's symbol for her children, for her son, Jim, is a pegasus. Of course, there's a large pegasus in, in the dome, and then there are yellow butterflies that symbolize our sons, but all kinds of different symbols. It's really not for one child or, or two. It's for the, uh, all the children who have passed before their parents. And they are so charming, such charming pictures of baby with a rose, a, a baby with a, a cherub, I guess, with a football. Right. right. And stars. Oh, they're really marvelous. And and you can see those uh, on the website. Yes. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Now, who is the artist? Was he related to Dinah? No, he's not. His name is Wayne Taylor. But uh-huh. he, was, uh, a, he had graduated from the University of the Cumberlands. Uh, he's, from, he's not related to them. But uh, he did a wonderful job. He, it's, it's, he's, he's a wonderful artist. But he also did the artwork for my book. So yes. the cover of my book and each of the chapters have, you know, the children all have symbols. So uh, in my book you can see, you know, the, the symbols all done by Wayne Taylor. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then and, and you see a picture of the dome on the back. And you'll get this in, um, in Rosemary's packet. Yes. You get the book, and it's fabulous, and she's offering it to you free, which is just That's amazing. That's amazing. I think another thing about the book that some people miss is that pictures of each of the children yeah, is in the back. Yeah. I've had people say they read the whole book and then go, oh, gosh, so they have to read it again. They have to look at the children. So mm-hmm. be sure to look at the back because they, we have colored pictures of each of the children that you'll be reading about. Absolutely wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I was saying that when we first started doing the show in um, 05, I thought of it as really giving a voice to people who had lost their children, and that's really was my main thing. And as I've moved on through the years, I'm looking at those messages of hope. And I wondered, um, what kinds of things, how did you get through it? Mm-hmm. I got through it by reaching out to other people. And I don't, you know, I think that's the only way I would have survived this. I couldn't have kept it in. I had to try to do something for somebody else, you know, by contacting. Probably now I've contacted over 5,000 families across wow. the country. And each of those families, though, have shared their children with me. I asked them to send me pictures. So I am sharing their stories, but I'm also, as Elaine Stilwell says, I'm singing my child's song. You know, Mm -hmm. these people, all these families know Drew and Jeremiah. 
I send pictures of all three of my sons in my package. So if you request a package, you'll also get to see Drew, Jeremiah, and Jordan. So I'm sharing my sons. At the beginning, I was having to say, you know, because at the beginning I would call each family, but I would say my sons, Drew and Jeremiah, were killed. So I was voicing something that my heart still didn't understand. It didn't accept. But by saying it, you know, over and over again, I was able then, my head and my heart were together and knew that these boys were not coming back. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, I, you know, I expected them to walk through the door. You know? Right. So, um, so the hope that I saw from Dinah Taylor and from Elaine Stillwell, you know, by them, you know, just putting their hand out to me, and then I've tried to do that for other people. And so I see people across the country wanting to do something in memory of their child. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because that gives them hope. Because they're helping other people, and I think that's the key. So, yeah. it was that, and it was that first phone call because you said three weeks yeah. after your boys died, you made that first phone call. I did as a way to receive help, and now you're giving. Now you're giving help by yeah. calling others. That's exactly right. By sharing, sharing your story, mothers will say to me, "What can I do?" And I'll say, "Well, let me send." And I do this to people across the country. I'll say, "Let me send you ten of my packets, and you have them. And when you see a family in your area," Please give them the packet, and that has gotten people involved. You know, because then they have something that they can give to another family, and they're reaching out, and it's helping. It's helping them. So it's, that is marvelous. Just that first piece of service. I've said that before. You know, if you can, um, I run a compassionate friends group in Palo Alto, and I think if you can just bring a donut or a brownie, it's right. the beginning, or move a chair for somebody, or put a book away. Anything. Elaine Stilwell says in our documentary, she said one of one of the ladies in her compassionate friends group, her her thing that her duty or what she did, not a duty, but her gift in memory of her son was to bring the coffee, bring the coffee mm-hmm. pot. She would bring everything in and set it up and somebody said, Oh my gosh, that's a crummy job and she said, No, that's not a crummy job. I do it in memory of my son. Mm-hmm. And as Elaine said, it took all the crumminess out of it. You know, she like you say, she did that in memory of her son and and anything you do in the memory of your child helps you and helps others. Now, talk a little bit uh, about your documentary again, and, and say that in case someone just tuned in about the space between breaths. I love that. And is that your idea? Is that you know? How did you come to that thought? The, the title. Mm-hmm. Well, the title really came. Uh, we interviewed one of the twelve families. Uh, is Maria Houston. She wrote the book Hannah's Gift. Yes, we've had Maria on the show. Also. She, she's a wonderful friend of ours. And as we were sitting and you know filming in Maria's uh, Manhattan apartment, she was talking about a point in her life very early after Hannah died, her daughter, where she was standing at the side of the road and a truck, she could hear a truck coming over the hill and she knew that if she would that he could not stop if she stepped in front of, of the truck. Mm-hmm. But it, in that space between breaths, mm-hmm. she made a decision to live. Wow. And when she said that, I was, I was just sitting, you know, I had cold chills all over my, the, my whole body because I realized that that was a title at that instant of the film, of our documentary. But as Maria goes on and as you see as the film progresses, as you know, that was the first space between breaths. But then you see, as the film, and you see the hope of our film, is that then you know she she made the decision to live, and then she went on to have a, a life of hope. And then Hannah, she she mentions later in the film, and we all say this, Hannah became a part of her. She was 
in that space between breaths. You know, that same space where she made her decision to live is where Hannah came to live. And that's where I say Drew and Jeremiah live. Mm-hmm. And so there is, there is that hope that these children are with us. And that's a very, so I knew the title the minute I heard Maria say those three words. Now, uh, for people who just tuned in, this is the documentary that you've done, and um, there are pictures of children. If you go on, uh, what website did I go on where there were a lot of pictures of children? Yes, it's uh, it's www.spacebetweenbreaths.com, and you can also get to it through mychildrenofdome.com. There's a, a link, but there um, you, you can go on uh, either one of the websites and see a trailer for the film, and then there's also a a, a a link that you can see all the children that are in the film. Now, uh, when you say all the children, mm-hmm. children that have died? Yes, children who have passed. And there now, are 12 families. Yeah. Now, tell me, um, how do we get this? You know, how do people see it out there? Now they're wanting mm-hmm. to see it. Well, it it will be available uh, this next month. Uh, the film was nominated for Sundance, but was not accepted. Um, uh, we were I was disappointed, but you know I just realized that wasn't the right avenue. You know, at that point there there were over eighty five hundred films nominated for Sundance, mm-hmm. and they took two hundred, wow. and and ours wasn't accepted. But until Sundance made that decision, we couldn't show it. You know, it couldn't be shown publicly. Um, so uh, the film is will be uh, is being shown February thirteenth in Chattanooga. At the, at the school where our boys, you know, attended. And what school is that for it's people? The Macaulay School in Chattanooga. Um, they had a student, David Cooper, who passed away on campus last year on February the 14th. Uh-huh. And his, he's a twin, and his uh, parents and twin brother came to Kentucky. We had a private screening of the film last May. They saw the film, and they asked us to show the film in conjunction with a, a garden dedication that they're having for David mm-hmm. on campus. So this is only the second time the film has been seen. But it, uh, it's being nominated for other film festivals, but it will be available for the public in February. And w- we can order it through either one of our websites. Okay, so people will be able to order it. Yes. Oh, great. Maybe yes. we can put a link to it on our website also. Great. That's wonderful. Well, tell us again, um, how you, you got through it by reaching out. How have you seen other people do it, and, and what's your take on, on who moves through and who doesn't, and do you think people get stuck? Yes. Um, really, um, the ones who get stuck are the ones who don't go to a compassionate friends group, you know, who try to just internalize this, I believe. And I don't see many of those people because I, if, if I've contacted them, someone like a family or a friend has, has contacted me about this family. So I'm reaching out to them. I send their name to Dinah. She reaches out to them. So we try to get these people involved. We try to see if there's a compassionate friends group close to them. We try to get them to come to Jim's conference. But I think the people that do well are the people who are proactive, who say, you know, I've got to walk through this grief, and I'm going, you know, I, I need someone to help me, and they reach out for help. Mm-hmm. Now, how about men? Do, they, mm-hmm. do you see uh, some, some men tell us that they don't like to talk about it, that they right. don't want to talk about it, that they don't want to hear the other stories, that they're, they're more private, they'd rather do stuff like build or do something yeah. like that? They don't like going to groups. No, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, at, at our, and my husband's that way, um, and and I I respect that because it's very hard for him because he's reliving it over and over again. 
And I think that's the way men and women grieve differently. But I think that's great because I've, I've, I have one father who lives in Mississippi, and he got my grief packet, and he decided to start writing, and he wrote a father's grief packet, a little little booklet. And he started printing them, and he sends them to me now to send in my packet. So there, there are ways that you can get involved from, you know, because he wanted to write something for fathers, a father's little grief book, and he's done that. So, you know, there, there are just different ways you can get involved, and I think fathers, if they do build or do something physical, uh, that's also, a, you know, a positive way to grieve. You know, they don't, they don't have to go to these groups like mothers do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or, and there's some men who like to go. Right, right. You know, who do yeah. go. And, and I have and, one friend, Dave Pellegrin, who says, I used to go and I'd sit this one woman, she would cry all the time, and he said, you know, after I went a few times, it felt okay to me. Oh. And we, I also, we also hear men saying, even though we're not saying anything in the group, we're still getting a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. My husband says that after we, he, he, you know, after we go to Jim's conference, it's a whole weekend and it's very intense because mm-hmm. there may be 300 people there. But Luther, he, he says he dreads it at the beginning. But on the way home, driving back from, from Williamsburg back to Babyville, he's like, oh, I really got so much. What about, you know, that father? I really think that father did well in the group because we'll have workshops with only fathers, which is a really good idea because mm-hmm. they can discuss things that, that we don't understand, that we don't know. Right. Um, and I think Luther says the same thing. He always feels better when he leaves, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy to go to these things, and no. we always suggest that you go at least three times. And uh, it, it can idea. be tough. Well, um, I, I just wanted to make sure that I brought in one thing. You and Luther are still married. Yes. I mean, this myth that's out there that people who lose children divorce and who go through trauma divorce, it's just not shown. A compassionate friends did a study that showed that the divorce rate was uh, like 29% or lower, and who knew what before, you know, uh, how the marriage was, was before their child died. So uh, there's no, no proven direct correlation between a child dying and a divorce. No, you know, when Drew and Jeremiah were killed in 92, you know, there was very few books available, but I got, you know, I started reading anything I could get my hands on. And in the myth you were talking about, the divorce rate they were saying was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that both of us were like, oh, we can't lose each other. You know, we can't let this tear our family apart. But just like you said, I've, you know, I've contacted over 5,000 families. I have not seen that. I'm surprised at the 20-something percent. In our group, I don't, I don't even see it that, that high. Mm-hmm. So I think that definitely is a myth. I think we're closer. Luther mm-hmm. and I are closer, and I see that with Jim and Dinah Taylor and Gam and Becky Greer. You know, Eleanor and Artie Foss are really good friends. There, we're we're together because we together lost these children, and mm-hmm. only we understand that that loss and and have the same memories of these children. And, it, and it's not always easy, though. I mean, you don't no. you know you grieve differently, and sometimes right. I remember I'd be mad when Phil was down and I mm-hmm. was up, or you know I'm trying so hard and you know you're in different spaces and you right. do grieve differently well it's time for us to come up on break and uh, for our last break and I'm your host Dr. Gloria Horsley with my co-host Dr. Heidi Horsley please stay tuned to hear more from guest Rosemary Smith about finding meaning after the death of two children if you'd like to reach us through our blog you can reach us through thegriefblog.com you can put in your stories and comment on other people's stories please stay tuned for more
fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Dr. Gloria Horsley telling you about Kara's Camp Aaron. Camp Aaron is coming to the Bay Area. It's for children 6 to 17 who are grieving the death of a child, a family member, or a friend. Funded by the Moyer Foundation, that's M-O-Y-E-R Foundation, the camp combines fun, high-energy activities with grief education and emotional support. The camp will take place May 16th through May 18th, 2008, at Camp Eraro in Livermore. There is no cost to families to participate. Applications are due by February 5th and can be found online by visiting www.cara-grief.org or by calling the CARA, that's K-A-R-A, office at 650-321-5272. That's 650-321-5272. You can also check out information about the camp at our blog, thegriefblog.com. Hello, doctors Gloria and Heidi are pleased to announce that their new book, Teen Grief Relief, Parenting with Understanding, Support, and Guidance, published by Rainbow Books, is now available. Grief Relief can be ordered through thegriefblog.com as well as Amazon. Book orders can be made through the Book Clearinghouse at 800-431-1579. This book is a must for any family suffering a loss. Get your copy right now at thegriefreliefblog.com or amazon.com. This is Dr. Gloria Horsley, host of Healing the Grieving Heart. When you're not listening to our show every Thursday at 9 Pacific, noon Eastern, visit our new blog at thegriefblog.com. It's loaded with articles, personal stories, poems, and more. Our blog is dedicated to helping you and your family deal with loss. While you're there, submit your loved one's favorite recipes, your poems, and stories, and listen to our archives of our past shows. Thegriefblog.com is where you'll find us. And, of course, listen to our show every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, here on Voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. And now we rejoin Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi for our final segment of Healing the Grieving Heart, a show of hope and renewal for those who have suffered the loss of a loved one. Welcome back to Healing the Grieving Heart. I'm Dr. Heidi with my mom, Dr. Gloria. And for those of you just joining us, we're here today with Rosemary Smith talking about finding meaning after the deaths of two children. Rosemary is the author of the book Children of the Dome and co-produced the documentary Space Between Breaths. Welcome back to the show, Rosemary and Gloria. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks, Heidi. Well, Rosemary, before we, this is our last segment, and I wanted to tell people again that they should go to your website, www.childrenofthedome.com, and they can also go to um, the breath, uh, Space Between Breaths, is that what it is? That's right. Yeah. Go to Space Between Breaths and hear about your documentary, and they will be able to uh, get your documentary, I guess, after what, the 13th? Yes, after the 13th of February. After the 13th of February, yes. <clears throat> which will be wonderful. Now, before we close the show, there's one person we have not touched on, and I'm surprised Heidi hasn't uh, given oh, me yeah. a heart Jordan. for it. And that is Jordan. Jordan, yes. 
how is Jordan doing and um, how does he do with the kids' rooms and what's he done? Is he is he in college or is he graduated? What's he doing? He's he's out of college now. He's in Charleston, South Carolina. He he did very well at the beginning. Um, he was eleven. Mm-hmm. We talk about he really held our family up. You know, as eleven year old kid, but. Then he went through a very rough period, and I think I've seen that with a, a lot of siblings. Mm-hmm. He went to college, and he said, nobody knows where I've been. You know, nobody understands me. I don't have anybody that I can talk to mm-hmm. who realize what I've been through, who really want to talk about it. So and he wasn't willing. You know, there was no sibling group, like a compassionate friend sibling group, like I've seen in Atlanta and different places. So he has been kind of isolated as a sibling, you know, with this terrible, terrible loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's worked through it. He he had counseling, and that has really been so beneficial. That the type of work that you, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi, do is so beneficial. Was that later that he had counseling? Yes, he had it at the very beginning. Uh, when he was 11 for about six months, and then he went a, a period until he was in college. Yeah, because I'm, I'm wondering. I, I don't know. My kids had counseling right after, and I don't think it was that. Was it beneficial, Heidi, that beneficial? It wasn't. It was, it was not beneficial for me. And mm-hmm. what I found in my own experience and those of other siblings is oftentimes we put our grief on hold mm-hmm. for yeah. a few years, and then we visit it later for many reasons. For one thing, our parents are in a bad place, and when they get a little stronger, Oftentimes, then we talk about our own grief and our own loss exactly. and start dealing with it. I think that's what happened with Jordan. And also, Jordan had to deal with the fact that his mom had breast cancer. That must have been frightening. Yes, it was. Absolutely. It the was. idea of another loss. So he was, what, uh, 13 when you had breast cancer? He was. And then you've had cancer again. So all of this is, you know, and he, you know, lost his future. You know, he, mm-hmm. he said he always, you know, thought that, you know, when, when his dad and I died, that he would have his brothers. And he, right. he talked about Thanksgiving, you know, and all the times we, they would all be married and have all these kids, and suddenly it was gone. And, you know, he went through a period where, you know, he just, he just, he, you know, he said to us, I just want to be with my brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't really have anything left here. You know, I, I don't know what I'll do, but... He worked through it. And now, he, did you uh, did you fear at that time that he might try to kill them, himself? Did you relate to that at all, or were you able to see that he just wanted to be with him? But yes, I, I really never thought Jordan would try to kill himself. I, you know, I I, I never went to that level. I never it never went to that level. Mm-hmm. But I just felt his despair because I felt the same despair. You know, yeah, I, I, to be with I, him. I wanted to bring that up because mm-hmm. it, we need for our audience to know that it's normal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very normal. Wanting to be with him. You felt that way, Hyde? Absolutely. I, I felt so much pain. I didn't, I no longer wanted to be on this earth. Right. You know, Gloria, I think, and, and I, when I do speaking across the country, and I've, I've been allowed to sit in one time with a siblings group in Atlanta, and as long as they, I wouldn't say anything, they let me sit in on their, you know, their session. And I came away from there a different bereaved parent because I realized that these kids, these siblings, grieve for us. You know, they grieve for their parents. They grieve for the loss of the family dynamics. Right. And then they grieve this, their future with a sibling. And it's, it's almost a triple, you know, uh, loss for oh, them. I, I love hearing it's a triple loss because, yes, we, at, we grieve for the family we once knew. And like right. you said, we've lost the parents we once knew. Right. We're now in a grieving family. And I've never even thought about it as a triple loss. Yes, mm-hmm. it is in many ways mm-hmm. a triple loss. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And like you said, well, our future is gone. Our siblings are supposed to grow old with us. I know. Your son is supposed to have his brothers for Jordan is supposed to be the last one to die. Exactly. And um, yet his brothers died before him. 
So that's not supposed to happen. No, it's not. I was just thinking, Heidi, we ought to see if Jordan would like to be on the show sometime. Yeah, that would be wonderful. You should ask him for no, us. And no see. pressure, Jordan. My mom. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, during the show. listen to the show. We want you to be on. <laughs> Call us. I wonder. <laughs> Rosemary, you don't have to say anything. Have him listen to the show. <laughs> you know, if Jordan would not, I know a sibling. Cindy <laughs> right. Bullen's daughter Ree would be excellent for the show. Mm-hmm. She was interviewed. We have two siblings in our in our documentary. So, I, so Heidi, we have tried to address. We didn't want to leave that out because right. it's so positive. You know, Jordan would not be interviewed for for our documentary. Oh, I guess well, he couldn't knows? go there. He used to do on the radio, but Reed would be excellent. She would now, be good. Now, Cindy Bond is a singer. She's been not. She's a nominated singer, isn't she, for a yes. Grammy or something? Yes, she's been nominated twice for two different Grammys. That's um, great. And she sings on your um, movie. She lost a child. She she lost her daughter Jessie Bullen's crew. And Cindy has a wonderful CD. And I I send this in my packet, so mm-hmm. you all will you know you would get that if you requested. It's called Somewhere Between Heaven and Earth. And she also has um, you know she did the score for our documentary Space Between Breaths. That's fantastic. Which you'll be able to get on February thirteenth. Yes. Well, uh, it's time for us to close our show, and I want to make sure that. You have the sites. You can go to www.childrenofthedome.com. Wonderful site. You can go to Space Between Breaths, and I've Googled these, so you can Google them, and uh, that's a, a wonderful site to go to. You can go to Cindy Bullen's site. She talks about it, too. You can go to... Um, is there any other site that I'm missing? No, I think that we have a lot of different links on my website that you can go to you know, Elaine Stillwell's site, Donna Taylor. Right. They have kind of long, you know, web web addresses. Wonderful but. community. I mean, the world and the internet and it makes a wonderful community of us all. Well, Rosemary, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And do you have something you'd like to close the show with? I would. I just like for everyone to know that my favorite, you know, I, uh, my friend uh, Be- uh, Beverly Donan calls it a uh, heart note. Is what the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls the butterfly. So each of you out there who are listening, you have your butterflies, and they are still with all of us. Uh, oh, thank you so much. Right. And it's time to close the show. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.